Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Kirk Gray. Hey, Kirk. This is Fred and Fred, Fred Schenkelberg. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day that I was like, oh, this is good content. It's more on, on maintenance manufacturing and maintenance reliability type stuff. And the where Spotify didn't list who the host was. It wasn't in the show notes. I went to the website and I dug all over the place trying to find who who do I contact to get to talk to these people about this show? And, and then finally he and they never he never mentions his name during the podcast. So I I thought we got to really remember to say our names in there. So I kind of tripped myself up there as <laughs> a complete aside. But anyway, I'm Fred. You're Kirk, and yeah. we were just chatting about. Um, I think the way you phrased it, Kirk, was we have all these tools that we use before we actually you know, get the first prototype or put hardware together in the early design process. Right. And we do all these conniptions and all this other hurdles and jump through hoops right. and, and right. estimates and models and all kinds of stuff. And then we still get surprised when we get our, our prototypes and our first field failures. Right. Well, it sometimes surprises and not, you know, you don't always Sometimes in a good way. Uh, the initial prototypes in are great. You know, they work and, and they follow the rules. Okay. Or they, they seem to have fallen, all the parts fell into place and it worked. Mm -hmm. And and that's not uncommon. You know, uh, you know, you, you have, um, five different projects and, and three of them, you know, came out without much, uh, hiccup or, unknowns becoming known once you put it in the field and use. Well, I remember uh, uh, it was another manufacturing engineer I was working with and he had 20, 25 years more experience than I did at the time. And, and yeah. the first project I was working on um, just shipped and I looked at him and I said, all right, well, today was launch day. It's in the market. And, and so what do we do now? And he goes, well, we wait for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and so that's what uh, Greg Hobbs, myself, uh, are the two. Uh, I think others in the field are, are focused on that, like Adam Barrett. And others uh, are focused on the fact that we know, you know, I mean, it's important to follow the good design rules, okay, with the uh, your CAD system, you know, giving yourself some margin if you – you know there's going to be very you know everybody understands variation but in the end when you come up on a thing like uh oh you know the boeing um let's say the boeing um the, door plug on the, 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 the current issue of the current act. month current may <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry boeing it's not it's not good. It's not news. funny when, yeah. No, it's not funny, and and I'm glad nobody was uh, seriously uh, you know, injured in that one. Yeah. Could have been much worse. Could have been really bad. Yeah. It really could have been bad. But um, they, you know, they followed the design rules. Now you don't know if they said, okay, uh, we did that for the Max Eight. That door plug worked for something, you know, and we can just use it for the next one. And also, we don't know at this time whether it was a, a, a mismanufacturing, a, an assembly error. Yeah, and, and in those sandy things, it's you know, let let the 
NTSB, I think it is, do their investigation, do it, you know, the facts will come out in one way or another, and then the blaming will start. But it's, <laughs> it's more, you know, and I was telling you before we hit record, it was like, I, I started my career as a manufacturing engineer, and I learned right. very, very quickly, it's always the design's fault. <laughs> my, the, the, my manager was, you know, if they could design it so we could put all the raw materials in a paper bag and shake it up and we'd have a, per, a perfect product, yeah. that would be great. Right. But th- his point was, is that if you don't take into account that there's nothing we can do in manufacturing to make a product that's better than the design. We right. can make it to design, right. but almost always we make it worse than the optimal design because there's variability. There's all kinds right. of variability. And then it goes out in the wild and it's got even more stuff. Right. So you're right with the, the manufacturing right. process is some of it's done by experience. Some of it's done by guidelines and rules that are, you know, reinforced in the process of design. Some of it is thinking through you know, if I make this flange right at the limit of the load it's going to carry, and then the, you know, right. their manager, she says, you know, sometimes that load varies. <laughs> you know, what have you considered right. the snow load? Like you, you mentioned it was snowing right. where you're at. You right. know, and oh, I need to add more to that. Yeah, that's, we call that a safety factor. You know, right, right. Put this in there. Right. You know, 3x times the, the required, you know, maximum load expected. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. But, you know, I was I was thinking more of the fact that I've been focused on uh, really that effort at the end or when you have physical hardware where you can see the um, then you can find where the the weakest link is and the and the latent possibly latent defects and things couldn't happen. Now you can only do that really for the design and halt. You don't want a manufacturing error be being found because that's not what you're really testing for. You're testing for the the design to be uh, how how a nominal or or a correctly built uh, system what its actual limits are and 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 many times there's it has a lot. It's very robust. In yeah. fact, right out of the chute. Well, if you make a, if you get a robust design, it can withstand much, if not all, of the manufacturing variation to to some extent. To some to limit. some extent, right, right. right. The issue yeah. I have with Halt is that it because you have to do some manufacturing to create the prototypes, and oftentimes right. it's if you're lucky, it's in the same shop and by the same people you know, gearing up to be the manufacturers for right. this thing. And they do that. But sometimes we get it from a quick turn prototype house right. and right. you gotta, it's not, you gotta it's be not careful. It's gonna be built. Right. Yeah, you yeah. gotta be careful with it and, and interpreting the, the, the failures that you see. And we can deal with that. The issue right. comes in is that if the team doesn't do has or some variant of that, um, it's very difficult for them to catch those, ma- those, unknown manufacturing flaws right, that are, right. are occurring. And yeah. I think somebody says, oh, we did halt. We had a really robust right. product. All our prototypes are working great. And then, then they ship it and then everything falls off the ledge. Right. And I don't have any, any idea what the Boeing situation is, but I've seen it no. in other companies. They just right. trust them and say, yeah, go for right. it. Right. And let's assume, I don't know, but I'm sure that plug has been used in the other, all those other Max 9s uh, that were using it, and it hasn't blown out. And I don't know how many years that plug, you know, was 
designed in or how old the Max 9 is. But it it, it was only one that it, it blew out of. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah, yeah. One's too and, many, and all of them it, had been flying. Yeah, in that industry, though, one is too many uh, for an, one is an, too many. You're right. In yeah. an event like that, right, and the two the crashes in Ethiopia and the other uh, on the other side that were because of the uh, angle of attack air sensor. Yeah, you know, I Chris was talking about it in a podcast the other day. Was that I didn't know this? Is that 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 angle of attack thing and all that software? Yeah, it was because the Max Eight had the wings were just slightly forward right. from where they were on previous ones, so they right. made it so that it would automatically right. feel like the previous seven thirty seven. So right. you didn't need to retrain the pilots. Right, because of the cost of retraining was prohibitive for Boeing yeah. and for uh, the companies that were buying it. So Boeing said, "No, we won't tell the we won't tell that most of the pilots, and they don't need re retraining and all this." And so those other pilots in on the other side of the world uh, that crashed didn't know about this, mm -hmm. and they didn't know, but they'd only have ten seconds to recognize the malfunction and turn it off before it became. Uh, you know, critical. Yeah, you couldn't recover critical, from it. Right. Yeah. So so we have all these rules and you know, that's a whole other field as far as design for manufacturability, you know. And you you've seen that course or you've been in that Oh, I, yeah, I took that in grad school. It was Yeah, that's and, a big, and it's big amazing. Part of engineering. What's what's what gets it to me is that when I work with design engineers, mm -hmm. you know, they're looking at me going, "You're the DFR guy." You know, and, and my nine o'clock meeting is the DFX guy, and the, and then I have this <laughs> de design for sustainability person shows up, and then, yeah. you know, come on, what are we? I'm trying to do my job here. I'm not trying to design right. for everything because I I won't have yeah. a product. And I get design that. for reliability is underneath that is well above it or next to it is designed from. I think there's definitely. You know, link design for manufacturability is critical to design for reliability. Oh yeah, no, right? I get that. Oh yeah, definitely. And and the hard part is is that there's just too many, and and then there's you know oh and then the boss says you can't spend more than three cents on any component, and then the, the procurement guy says but this one's works just the same as the other one, and we all know it doesn't. And on and on and on. I the design teams really have to run the gauntlet with all kinds of stuff, and I think. Part of what we originally were chatting about here was that in that early design process, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of, uh, we know what we know. We've been making this product and we're going to change it right. slightly or we're going right. to upgrade it or we worked right. with power supplies for years. We're going to make another power supply. So there's a lot of experience that comes into it. Now, where I find that all of our various tools and stuff work or don't work is when you're really trying to understand what you don't know. And we don't we don't have prototypes yet, so halt is usually the thing that says, "All right, that's where we need to go find out where the weaknesses are." But prior to right. that, it's it's the art of going, "All right, we we know all this stuff. What happens when it snows? What happens when we do this? What happens? You know, it's the what ifs." And sometimes you can do it in CAD, saying, "All right, let's drop it in the CAD system and do a finite element." Right. Where's that? Where's that energy go? And they're getting much better at multiphysics. Software, CAD, a simulation, fluid dynamics, software. thermal, you know, yeah, you know, dynamics, all that, all that. They're stuff. getting better and better, and I know AI is going to even increase that ability. Yeah, uh, that's another topic we can talk about. Okay, later. but yeah, okay, maybe you post. <laughs> but anyway, let's look at you know the Boeing thing. I saw one, the bolts on some of the 
door assembly mm-hmm. in, in close-ups. You can see, and I don't know what kind of bolt this is called, but where you uh, have um, notches in the actual bolt and a hole through the uh, uh, in the uh, nut. Okay, there's notches in the nut, and there's a hole in the bolt uh, where you put a cotter pin mm-hmm. or a pin, and so that bolt can't come out. I mean, it can't, un- you know, it's locked. Well, until... Until something shears the cotter pan off. Well, yeah, but that's a you know that's a redundancy that yeah. it, it's not relying strictly on torque. It's it has right. a backup for that. Yeah. Right. And I noticed in the picture they had of one of the doors that you know that they inspected that they're not all the bolts are that way, and some of them could back up. And they, they were showing the loose some of the loose bolts in some of the pictures that they mm-hmm. had an inspection. So I just think, well, that was a trade off. You know, they said, well, we. This is a critical bolt that can't back out, or this one won't be. And of course, they're also making reports that two bolts were left out, or two hmm. two major uh, structures uh, holding the door were the the plug were left out. But we'll right. see. Yeah. No, there's more details that come with that. But you know, that reminds me of the you know, the, oh, what was I thinking of? Is uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. One of my okay. stories of manufacturing. Going, oh, we'll just put some duct tape on that. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think the Max 9 is slightly, you know, different from the Max 8. So um, that's why, you know, I, and if they use it, I'll have to talk to my Southwest pilots, see if they have plugs on their planes. But I don't think that's a um, that's a common thing. But as I said in my post in LinkedIn, I put it up there saying, you know, I know Boeing does pressure cycling on their, their fuselage. Mm-hmm. I know that for certain. Um, they may do it in Siberia, too, which they should, and in Saudi Arabia. And of course, they don't need to do it, you know, they in elevation, they're always going to go through thermal cycles, yeah. you know. Well, they should just go to Denver, because you've got all that stuff in one day. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> just park it we in Denver. You, it's like extreme si- thermal cycles. You're right. It's, yeah. One day it can be snowing, and the next day it can be seventy. Yeah. Well, one of the issues I run into though is that in early in the design, there's a whole lot of we know what we're doing, and we know what we know. And right. I think it's somebody needs to stir the pot and going. All right, what do we don't? What don't we know? Where where do you are doing trade offs on your margining be, just to get this design to to work? What right. keeps you up at night? Kinds of stuff. What's your gut tell you? And right. part of that is that the place has got to be safe, so you can have those conversations. Because if, if you're accusing the designer of not doing a good job, <laughs> they're not going to talk to you if if they fear right. that right. as a retro, as a acknowledgement of lack of ability. Now. It's there's a lot going on. There's a whole lot of trade-offs, and right. I, and you've heard me use the phrase before: the red flags. Like we have a new vendor, we have a new technology, we have a new manufacturer, we have something new. Those are things that take a little extra scrutiny, and that's where FMEA and other tools of saying, well, what could happen, and let's let's yeah. do some analysis there and just think through. It doesn't have to be a formal six hundred page, you know, worthless document. It's Let's get together and think through what could happen. You know, if the manufacturer doesn't use the right bolts, what could happen? 
<laughs> well, that'll they'll always use the right, you know, that kind of thing. It, they'll always do it this way. They'll do it each one. They'll do it exactly the same, and that's not, that's not as true. we know, that's not always the case. Yeah. Also, there's another aspect that I recall in this report about the Boeing is this aircraft was restricted from flying over water because it had a couple instances already of uh, uh, cabin pressure. Yeah, that had lost cabin pressure. It's only right. been in service what three months. <laughs> Right. And to me, that would have been, okay, that, you know, that was a warning sign. And even the Alaska Airlines says, okay, we're not going to let this one fly over water. Well, my God. (laughs) 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 Why are you letting it fly at all? You know, uh, you've got to go, you've got to go find out where the, the cabin is losing its pressure. And it was very there's a good chance. I don't know. Good chance it was right through that door, that door plug. Well, yeah, no, we don't know. Let the, that investigation. We don't know. So what happens when, when you had a, your first car that you're driving along and the check engine light comes on? Did you yeah. pull over and get a tow truck to take you home? No, no. No. But no, but that was, that's not, it's kind of a journal when a check engine light comes on. It's about, you know, 50 different things that can well, tell that's the what computer, I mean. Yeah. Tell the computer. But how many times do, do cabins lose air pressure and they don't have an explanation and they restrict it from flying over water because of that? Well, no, I'm not going to get into Alaska Airlines decisions <laughs> okay. to ship or not I ship know. or fly or not okay. fly because that happens in every company. You know, we have the end of quarter push and we're going to get a bunch of untrained people putting the boxes together and there's missing parts and everything else. And But we made our quota. Yeah, you pissed off a bunch of customers. It really depends on the culture of the organization and decision making thing. But what you and I don't know is that out of the thousands of flights a day, how many of them have got warnings or signals or whatever, you know, Right. Just because this one had two of them. Oh, yeah. Well, all of them have six of them, you know, so it's yeah. it's in the noise. And we may never know that. That's yeah. the problem. I just, see, this is where at least this investigation, like the lithium battery problem they had. In the or the key. Seven. Remember the key falling out of the, the ignition key? Out of the Cameron? airplane? No, no, no. Not it was out of a uh, car. And... Um, oh, oh, the, 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 the tent. Yeah, yeah, that was the... Uh, I forget which car, but yeah, the airbags would not fire because the key wasn't it would, in there. It, well, it 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 easily uh, fell back in, into the ACC, and when it was when that detent fl- fell back, the actual airbags wouldn't operate under ACC, only with the full uh, ignition on. And right. yes, it it did fall back, and yeah, that was a problem. The guy engineer changed the the pressure that uh, the detent that holds the key forward, uh, a spring in there. And he changed it without making any change to the parts. Well, it's just a little piece, you know, it's just a little part. Nobody And, and he may have already known, you know, he didn't want to expose his error or overlooked kind of thing as many engineers don't. And if it doesn't result in a failure, whew, good, good. You know, they get out of it. I'm out of here. This, yeah. one was, this one took a long time to find out because it was so, you know, happened at uh, such a horrible time. The, a person had hit a tree or another car and an airbag had gone off and everybody was more focused on that and not realizing the engineers didn't realize when it went back into the ACC position that the airbags wouldn't operate. That was something they learned 
Now that should have been. Well, they learned that the hard way. And that might be another topic is lessons learned kind of topics. But the part of the idea here is that we're making exceedingly complex pieces of equipment. An airplane is, is a marvel that it flies, you know, much less gets off the ground, but Hey, you get satellite TV or whatever while you're on it. It, the amount of, I mean, you've seen the cockpits of these things. There's 8,000 buttons. Well, you know, I, I, people say, look at this. And it's a lot of those are indicators. They're not always something that the, the pilot has to flip switches well, on. My wife got a new car and, and, and I said, oh, cool. We're driving back from the dealership. And I'm, you know, what are all these buttons doing? One of them turned on like uh, <laughs> a cell phone system. We didn't know it was even in the car. And so, are you okay? And like, huh? Are you just pushing buttons? <laughs> well, I hope, I'm glad she didn't hit the ejection seat on it. Oh, they got one of those buttons. That'd be yeah. cool. <laughs> By the one that, you know, has the James Bonds to, uh, semi-automatic, uh, shot, uh, machine guns coming out of the, the front lights or something like that. Yeah. No, well, uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't put that in there because they they anticipated a guy like me getting in the car going, "Hey, what's this button do? Oh, that's the skylight thing. Oh, okay, that dims the lights. Oh, that turns the radio on really loud. Okay, that what's this button do?" And Diane finally yeah. said, "Stop it! Don't do that anywhere." Yeah, the key is Fred. <laughs> next time, do it while you're stopped. In the uh, that's no fun. I was, <laughs> all these buttons in front of me. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, then that's another thing. You know, user interfaces and stuff, but. I also think that in any critical system, you have, if, if there's a chance that it's not assembled correctly, you have some kind of warning, uh, something else as an interlock. Well, we, you know, we used to call that poka yoka. If there's only one way to assemble this, and when it's right, it's right. And when it's not, it doesn't work. You can't fit it, right. you know, kind right. of thing. Right. I, it's amazingly complex and it's trade off with weight and all kinds of other things. And, <laughs> And, and there's more to come on that whole story. Yet the basic idea is, is that you can't ignore what you don't know in taking steps to do the what ifs, the analysis, the, you know, do the CAD or the finite element analysis, see what happens, do the simulations, do the, right, ask do those all questions. You can, but then when you get an actual product, see if it's matches those things that the CAD says it can do, whether yeah. it's, you know, and I know you can do thermal studies with the the product. You yep. can uh, probably do. I don't know how good they've gotten at um, parametric shifts with temperature, or you know that would be the thing, or how you can combine that with voltage in these CAD in these multi physics models, or anything else because I've never used them. And they, of course they're they're getting much better. They're getting better at that. It's the real high speed stuff is so difficult to model. I don't think they're oh, yeah. signal integrity and you yeah. know at gigahertz and yeah. And and you can't what I found is well, there's that's a whole nother episode uh, dealing with these gigahertz <laughs> stuff is beyond comprehension how they yeah, actually work. But anyway, there's there's lots that we know and we create designs and we create systems and products and stuff, and there's a lot we don't know. And so in being humble enough and, and brave enough, I guess, I'm not sure what the right term is, is go find those unknowns and, and then set yourself up so that when you get into halt or into testing, you know what you're looking for, you know what you need to check or find, and then be willing to be surprised. You're still going to learn something. And maybe that you did a really good design. But yeah. if, if you only test the easy stuff, you'd fool yourself that you did a good design. Right. So, right. you know, be conscious of there's still things we just don't know. And, and that, 
I think separates a, an adequate design from a great design is that mm -hmm. it's robust to all these things that are, sometimes we know about them, but sometimes we don't. So right. if you got a, a question about this or other topics, or you've got some insights of what's really going on with the, the Boeing bolt uh, door plug thing, uh, let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. You can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Kirk and I are available as the other hosts are on LinkedIn and our about page. And Kirk, I don't know, can you link to your post on LinkedIn? Is that something we can do if you keep track of it? Um yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you, uh, anybody can find my post, just put in my name and I'm sure they'll see it. Okay. Well, see if you can add a link to the show notes. Well, that might be a useful thing because I've, oh, yeah. I've right. tried finding stuff on LinkedIn without a oh, link okay. and it's like, uh, there's. I'll put good. it in the show notes. So yeah, you if you find. can. That'd be cool. All right. Anyway, thanks, Kirk. You flying anywhere later today? <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, uh, a lot of the flights are shut down because of the uh, weather. It's, uh, I don't know you know what aspect because we don't have a lot of snow here but at four degrees or minus five degrees it's the de-icing compound materials yeah, freeze on the wings kind of, right that's kind of a problem <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna stay indoors today yeah well enjoy we'll talk to you soon kirk Take okay care. all right you bet fred thanks for listening to speaking of reliability we invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.